Welcome to Didache, where we are studying to show ourselves approved, rightly dividing the word of truth so we can worship God in spirit and truth, deepening our knowledge of God, thereby enabling us to deepen our love for God. Here is your host, Justin Peters. Welcome to the program, ladies and gentlemen. I hope that this finds you and yours doing well. And I want to thank you for joining me for this installment of the program. This is Witnessing to the Witnesses Part 12. Uh, we have I've played the audio clip of me witnessing to John and Patricia. And then beginning in yesterday's program, I want to just kind of go through kind of in a systematic way who the Jehovah's Witnesses are and what they believe. We started that in yesterday's program. I told you about the president, the first president of the Jehovah's Witnesses, Charles Taze Russell, how he falsely prophesied on at least two occasions the end of the world. Much like Harold Camping, we talked about the governing body of the Jehovah's Witnesses. It literally called it a governing body, and it's led by a president. The Jehovah's Witnesses have had, uh, at this point, six presidents, or, or is it seven? I'd have to, uh, I think it's seven, but anyway, uh, six or seven presidents. I'll have those notes in front of me. Those were from yesterday. So uh, Charles Taze Russell was the first, structured very hierarchically, much like the Roman Catholic Church, and uh, they they teach that it is only through their society that you can know God. Only through the writings of Charles Taze Russell can you truly know God. And if you read the Bible alone, just the Bible, Charles Taze Russell said that that will lead you into darkness. And we talked about how this is very similar to what the Roman Catholic Church teaches, has always taught for its existence, that uh, you must go through the Catholic Church. We will tell you what the Bible says. Don't bother reading it for yourself. And it uh, wasn't so long ago that the Roman Catholic Church, if you did dare read the Bible for yourself, they just might tie you to a stake and light you on fire. And so a clear sign of a cult. So there's a lot of overlaps between the Jehovah's Witnesses, Roman Catholicism, in both how they're structured and some of their doctrines, along with Mormonism. And so I told you, okay, after Charles Taze Russell, there was J.F. Rutherford. The membership dropped under him. Then you had Nathan Knorr. He was the next president. And then the uh, membership of the JWs really exploded. He was kind of the Bill Hybels, Rick Warren, Andy Stanley of the Jehovah's Witness movement. And uh, now we come to the next president. I'm not going to go through all the presidents, but these are these are kind of uh, men who were um, um, important and, and had a big impact on shaping who the Jehovah's Witnesses are today. So uh, next president I want to tell you about is Frederick Franz. Now this guy's kind of interesting, not only he himself, but uh, his nephew. So Frederick Franz, he was kind of the opposite of the previous president, Knorr. Uh, under Knorr, the JW membership exploded. Under Franz, uh, not so much. A, a lot of JWs began to question the teachings of the Watchtower Society, and among those whom began to teach uh, the, the questioning the teachings of the JW Society was Frederick Franz's own nephew, Raymond Franz. Frederick Franz was an ex-president, and his nephew, a guy named Raymond Franz, was in the society, but he began to question 
some of the teachings and uh, uh, began to want to expose some of what was going on. He wrote a book entitled The Crisis of Conscience, Crisis of Conscience by Raymond Franz. It was published in 1980. And this book, Crisis of Conscience, exposed the Jehovah's Witnesses as having unbiblical doctrines. It detailed many of the organization's Watchtower Society's false prophecies, uh, false prophecies by Charles Taze Russell and subsequent presidents. It exposed a lot of the corruption within the Jehovah's Witness organization, and I'm sure glad we don't have to worry about corruption anymore. Glad that that's not a problem. We don't see any corruption anywhere, so that's kind of nice. That's been done away with, but <laughs> tongue-in-cheek. So he exposed a lot of the corruption within the JW organization. Uh, he documented some of the lives that were destroyed by the Watchtower Society, including the attempt to destroy his own life. When he kind of uh, broke from the fold and he began to question some of the uh, teachings, uh, expose some of the corruption that was in the JW Society, um, they came after him. He was proclaimed an apostate. And this is another mark of a cult. Um, within any cult, whether it's JW or Mormonism or, and even Roman Catholicism, uh, is especially true in years past, not as true today, but still to an extent, especially in, in some other countries, particularly um, Central South America, you see a lot of this. But anyway, if you if you dare question any of the teachings of the particular society or cult in which you are involved, if, if you're one who dares question the, the powers that be, you are threatened with expulsion, uh, you are shunned even by and especially by family members. Uh, and then this is true of the, the JWs. If, if you leave the JWs, uh, it's going to cost you. And maybe when you were listening to John and Patricia and me witnessing to them, they sounded very nice, and, and they were nice. They seemed like nice people. But if if they were to leave the Jehovah's Witnesses, and I, and I don't say this sarcastically, I mean it, I pray that they do. I pray that they do leave it. Uh, if they do, it's going to cost them. Uh, they will be, they will be shunned. Uh, they may, they will be persecuted if they truly. Well, they will be persecuted if they truly get saved and come out of it. So, and this happens within the JW organization today. Family members uh, will shun you. They will, they will uh, disown you for leaving the JW. And, um, and and oh, and let's not forget, if you do leave the Jehovah's Witnesses or if you leave whatever cult. Um, then you have no chance of salvation. If you would leave and you were disfellowshipped, you have no chance of salvation. Now, within the JW cult, you won't go to hell because they don't believe in hell anyway, you might recall. But uh, you will definitely not live forever on earth, and you can sh for sure forget about being uh, one of those 144,000. You can, you can forget that. So... Um, it's a cult. It is a cult. If you leave that cult, it will cost you. And it's interesting. Sorry for that. If you hear the squeaking, that's Mia with her little chew toy. Um, Raymond Franz, the, the nephew of Frederick Franz. Raymond Franz is a guy who broke away. It's interesting. When you read his writing, he asserted that most of the members of the governing body. Now, these are the, these are the head honchos 
he says that most of the members of the governing body were actually amazingly biblically illiterate. And, um, and we heard that, did we not? When you heard me witnessing to John and Patricia, in many respects, they were profoundly biblically illiterate. They had a very Mickey Mouse way of interpreting the Bible. We saw that especially uh, with uh, Colossians 1 and, and, and really saw it with how they viewed Romans chapter 6. In fact, I've been on the Jehovah's Witness website, and they still, on their website right now, they talk about Romans 6, verse 7, and that's one of their supports for annihilationism. There's one of their text, proof texts that they use to assert that there is no hell. And, uh, I mean, it's just a, a, a very casual reading of Romans 6, verse 7 shows that that is not the case. So uh, what Raymond Franz asserted about even members of the governing body within the, Jeho- the, the Jehovah's Witness organization uh, rings very true, and, and we heard that with John and Patricia. They are The Jehovah's Witnesses are largely biblically illiterate. They're biblically illiterate. They have a few proof texts that they will go to, that they like to cite. They cite out of context, but uh, they have no understanding of theology, no understanding of systematic theology. You might recall when I was talking with John and Patricia, I used the term eschatology, which refers, of course, to the end times, eschatology. And John didn't even know what that was. He, he had never even heard that term. So um, the, the JWs are, are uh, biblically illiterate, as Raymond Franz asserted in his book, Crisis of Conscience. Uh, so anyway, they've had a, a few more presidents, uh, a couple of more presidents since then, and now they number between 7 and 8 million, about 7.9, 7.8, 7. 7.9 million people around the world. Now, if you are a JW, maybe maybe you've wondered, well, why do they go around uh, so systematically? They're so good about knocking on people's doors. And, and honestly, dear friends, you know, they put us as theologically conservative evangelicals to shame as far as our witnessing goes because they're very systematic, very deliberate about it. Well, there's a reason for that. Uh, they're not really doing it out of love for Jehovah. They're doing it because they're required to do it. The Watchtower Society requires that if, if you are a Jehovah's Witness, if you're one of their members, Watchtower Society requires that you go out and you spend a certain amount of time going door to door. And you actually have to fill out a field service report. That's what they call it, field service report. And you have to fill this report out every month. And you must report how much time you spend uh, doing your own perverted form of, their perverted form of evangelism and preaching. You've got to fill these uh, reports out. And if you miss a month or two, then that can be very bad for you. Uh, if you don't have a really good reason, I mean, if you're not stove up and uh, ICU or something like that, if you don't have a real good reason for missing uh, your field service report, then you will be considered uh, inactive within the Watchtower Society, inactive, and that's that's not a good thing. So um, filling out these reports. Now, according to the statistics that I was able to find, the number of Jehovah's Witnesses is increasing. Their numbers are going up. They they are increasing, but they are increasing at a decreasing rate. Okay, they're increasing, but their increase is coming at a decreasing rate. In other words, best I can tell, their rate of increase 
began to decrease in the year 1995. 1995. Up until 1995, they were enjoying pretty uh, steady, uh, significant growth year to year. They were growing uh, quite well, a substantial amount every year. But in 1995, that rate of increase began to decrease, if that makes sense. And I think it's interesting that this started happening in 1995, and that that decreasing rate of increase, if you follow that, the decreasing rate of increase has continued since 1995. And I think it's it the reason it started in 1995 because that's right around the time that Al Gore invented the internet. Wink, wink, Al Gore. He didn't really invent it. He says he did, but he didn't. But that's when the internet came around, and people really began to use. The internet, and I don't think that's coincidental because now, um, I mean, you can anybody can go on Google the Jehovah's Witnesses and Google like you know Jehovah's Witness critique or something like that, and there's all kinds of websites out there that show you how um, unbiblical the Jehovah's Witness organization is, and so this information is available for anyone to see, and so I think that has I think the invention of the internet has kind of tampered their rate of growth a bit. They're still increasing worldwide, but um, that rate of increase is decreasing. So I would love to see that <laughs> their numbers just start to go down instead of a slow increase. But uh, anyway, the rate of increase is decreasing. All right, now I want us to turn our attention to some of their the beliefs, the doctrines of the Jehovah's Witness. So let's, let's start working our way through their doctrine. If you want to number this, number one, or letter A, or however you want to do it, first first belief is this. Divine guidance, divine wisdom, and knowledge comes only through the Watchtower Society. They believe that divine guidance, wisdom, knowledge comes only through their society, the Watchtower Society. So if you are out, if you're not a Jehovah's Witness, then you cannot know God. You cannot have any biblical wisdom. Uh, if you have only the Bible, that will lead you into darkness. Remember, that's what Charles Taze Russell said, their first president. So this is their kind of uh, one of their cornerstone beliefs that um, divine guidance and divine wisdom comes only through the Watchtower Society. Again, this is a mark of a cult. This is what you see with every cult. It's what you see with Mormonism. It's what you see from Jehovah's Witnesses. It's what you see from, uh, you know, Islam. It's what you see in, in Word of Faith that, that these people claim to speak for God. And so if you question them, it's tantamount to questioning God himself, so you dare not do it. They're the only ones, they're the only dispensers of divine truth. Now, in case you're wondering, well, don't we kind of say the same thing as Christians? Yes and no, and, and here's what I mean by that. Yes, we claim that Jesus is the only way to be to be saved. He is the only way to heaven. He is the only God, only Savior. Um, but we don't claim that we are the dispensers of that truth. The Bible is. We point people to the Scriptures. That's the dispenser of truth, not uh, not a denomination, not Baptist, not Presbyterian, you know, not whatever. Uh, it's it's Scripture, Scripture alone. That's the source of truth. So 
something, what you'll notice about every cult is every cult will either say, don't read the Bible or, okay, you can read the Bible, but you also need this. You also need this from us. You you also need the Book of Mormon. You also need um, the Watchtower Society. You, you know, that's what you really need. So that's a sure mark of a cult. So that's number one. Divine wisdom, divine guidance comes only through the Watchtower Society. Okay. Belief number two. They believe in separation from society. Separation from society. They are separatists. Separatists. Separation from society. So how do they separate from society? In a number of ways. They separate politically. Jehovah's Witnesses do not vote. Uh, you may have, you may remember that John and Patricia said that in my conversation with them. They do not vote. Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses says, say, will say they cannot salute the flag. They'll never salute the flag. Uh, they, they will not say the Pledge of Allegiance. And honestly, I, that point in and of the, of itself, I don't begrudge them in that. Honestly, now some of you may get upset with me when I say this, but uh, bear with me as you as you hear why I'm about to say what I say. I have come to the point where, and I've been here for a while, but but I'm not going to pledge allegiance to the United to the to the United States of America. I cannot say the Pledge of Allegiance. Um, I, I pledge allegiance to the flag to the United States of America. I can't do that. I cannot pledge that because my allegiance is not to the United States of America. I am thankful for the United States of America. I have been all over the world. I have been in um, uh, practically every continent on earth except Antarctica. And I tell people I've yet to find a place that I would rather live than the United States of America. So I'm very grateful for this country. I am very grateful for all of the Men and women who have served this country in the armed forces, I am. So don't hear me wrong. I am very grateful. Very, very grateful. And uh, I will tell when occasionally when I'll see a service member, especially a, especially an older one like a vet, I'll, I'll thank him for his service. I'll also give him the gospel, but I'll thank him for his service. So I'm grateful. Don't misunderstand me. It's not that I'm, I'm not, uh, I don't hate this country at all, but... I'm thankful for this country. I'm thankful for the religious freedom that we have. Uh, but my allegiance is not to this country. And I talked about that in the program that I did on the election. My allegiance is not to this country. My citizenship is not in the United States of America. My citizenship is in heaven. So the only allegiance that I will pledge is allegiance to Christ. Uh, I will pledge my allegiance to him. I will pledge my allegiance to the Bible, uh, my my faithfulness, my fidelity to the Bible, my confidence in the Bible. All of the I will pledge allegiance to to that. I will pledge allegiance to God, uh, but I cannot pledge allegiance to the United States of America because uh, the time may well come when the United States of America will tell me I've got to renounce my faith in Christ, and so. I'm not going to pledge allegiance to a country that very well may um, um, tell me that I've got to disown my Savior. So my allegiance is to one and to one only, capital O, one. So I don't disparage them in and of itself that. But um, anyway, they are uh, separatists. They, they will not serve in the military. 
You will never find a Jehovah's Witness in the military, and so, like, if the draft were to be reinstated, they would have they would submit some kind of a, a religious objection, and uh, so they they won't serve in the serv- in the armed services. Now, I will I will say this: John brought up an, an interesting point that I don't guess I've ever really thought of. He asked me if I wanted to if I would ever serve in the military, and I've I've told people before that uh, had I not been crippled, I probably would have gone into the military, into the armed services. Um, and and uh, I, here's, here's the only thing. Uh, I, I, I would, and I, th- I think I, I still would, but he said, well, the reason we don't serve in the military is Jehovah's Witnesses because we never want to be in a place where we would be fighting another country and maybe fighting another Jehovah's Witness. And it kind of made me think, huh, you know, I I would not want to to be in a a situation in which I had to fight, and maybe some of the soldiers in the country, uh, in the army of the country that I'm fighting on the other side, on the other side of my gun, you know, there might be some Christians in that army, and how could I shoot a brother? You know, I never really, I don't suppose thought through it that far. Maybe maybe everybody listening to me has already thought that, and I'm just kind of slow here but um uh you know i i i'm sure that uh there have been uh members of armed forces of countries that we have been at war with um i'm sure there has been a smattering of christians in in some of those countries that we have fought before uh so that would be very difficult you know for me to to uh to point my gun at uh, someone you know not knowing whether or not maybe that person that I'm got in my crosshairs happens to be a Christian. So, um, I, the, I'm maybe about to dig a hole here for myself and I hope you don't get too mad at me, but, but I would suppose, I would assume that somewhere, even in the, in the German army in world war two, I am sure that of all of the people, all the men who fought for the Germans in world war two, somewhere, there were, had to have been a few of God's sheep somewhere who just, and, and I know for a fact, I know for a fact that not all German soldiers knew what was happening at um, Auschwitz or some of the, the concentration camps. They didn't, they didn't know that. But I would imagine that, that there had to have been a, a few somewhere uh, Christians because God has his people from every tongue, tribe, and nation, and that does not exclude it did not exclude Germany. Um, there were probably even a couple of Christians, a couple of men somehow got the gospel even in Japan. Uh, I am, I have no doubt that there are Christians in the, in the Russian army right now, even though we've never been in a hot war against Russia per se. But, um, anyway, I don't know. They email me, tell me, tell me your thoughts. It's, uh, it would be tough, but but I do have great respect for our, our military, and I'm very thankful for them. So don't hear me wrong. I'm not bashing on the military at all, at all. I'm very, very grateful for them. But anyway, all that to say the Jehovah's Witnesses are separatists. They do not vote. They do not hold office. They will not serve in the military. They do not salute the flag. They will not say the Pledge of Allegiance. Also, uh, another f- aspect of their separatism is that they do not 
observe holidays. They do not observe holidays. You will not find a Jehovah's Witness celebrating a birthday or a Christmas or Groundhog Day or something like that. And I am looking at my time, and we are out of it. So I'm going to have to wrap this up. Uh, we will continue this tomorrow, dear friends, walking through what the Jehovah's Witnesses believe. And uh, until our next time together, Lord willing, tomorrow, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Thank you for listening to Didache. We hope that you were encouraged and edified by what you just heard. If you have a question or comment for Justin, or interested in more teaching resources, or would like to have him come and preach at your church or conference, you may contact him at justinpeters.org.